The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. At the theater, more than the movies come to life. Movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Another announcement from the NFL. Christmas Day, 1 p.m. Last year, it was Packers at Dolphins. This year, it is Raiders at Chiefs. Hello, SpongeBob. So it's CBS and Nickelodeon. We already know the 425 p.m. Eastern game that day will be Eagles at Giants. We don't know the night game. The three games now on Christmas, a new staple for the NFL. And, Miles, I predict they're going to find a way, no matter what day of the week it is, Tuesday, Wednesday, not traditional NFL days, I think now that they have finally embraced that they can steal the NBA's audience, they can be the Grinch that stole Christmas from basketball, they're going to take over Christmas Day with three games, whether it's Tuesday, whether it's Wednesday, obviously Sunday, Saturday, Monday, Friday, they're going to do it, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're going to find out soon enough <laughs> next year. Oh, I was going to say. Out, but I think they're yeah, going to find a way to a- keep doing it. Yeah, I took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, we'll find out next year if they do that or not. That's going to be really interesting, though, if they do end up playing Tuesday games on, uh, you know, whatever week it would be, I guess week 16 or week 17. And I'm not sure how the schedule is going to fall next year, but that that's going to be something to monitor. But I I love anytime you get Raiders and Chiefs together. I mean, first of all, any trip to Kansas City is a good trip to me. And when you get the Raiders and the Chiefs together, that old rivalry that is a little bit less of a rivalry, especially since Patrick Mahomes has been there. That That's a fun, fun divisional matchup. So, yeah, I think getting Patrick Mahomes playing on Christmas Day is going to be good for everybody. And Raiders, if you win, do not circle the stadium with your buses. Just get to yeah, the airport and go because that will come back to haunt you. Uh, eventually, although that probably won't be the first of their meetings. It'll be the rematch of their game in Las Vegas, which will happen at some point before Christmas. So that's where we are. Dribs and drabs. Give us some more dribs and drabs. I think we may get some more before the end of the show. Once it's officially announced, we'll bring you that information as soon as we are authorized to do so. Something I saw late last night 
they caught my attention. And we talked yesterday about the international schedule and the Jaguars playing two games in London for the first time ever. And Jaguars fans don't want to hear it. But if an existing team from the 32 American NFL franchises is going to go to Europe as part of a four-team division, if it's going to be anything other than four expansion teams to fill out a four-team division, the A1 option is the Jaguars. They've got the footprint, they've got the fan base, and now they're playing two games there this year. And I have a feeling it's not going to be the last time they play two games in London in a given year. The question is, for a period of consecutive years, at some point this decade, will they be playing even more games in London? Because Jacksonville Mayor said yesterday on 1010XL Radio in Jacksonville that renovations at the stadium where the Jaguars play as proposed, as designed, as intended, will displace the Jaguars. Best case scenario, two seasons. They got to find somewhere else to play all their games for two seasons. I don't know of another handy football venue that would be NFL ready in Jacksonville, especially at a time when they could sell more tickets than there are seats in whatever venue there would be. I don't know how Wembley doesn't become the magnet for the entire slate of the Jaguars home games for those two years if they go down this path. I don't know how that doesn't happen, Miles. Orlando well, I, or Wembley are the two options. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Orlando um, with the Camping World Field, it was Camping World Stadium, whatever it is, where they've played the Pro Bowl a couple of times. Um, yeah. It, it's just one of those things where it's uncomfortable, probably, if you're in Duval County, but. I don't know what other kind of option that you would have. I mean, it's not like, I mean, when the mayor said that, you know, oh, the number one option would be to have the Jacksonville Jaguars play somewhere in Jacksonville. But where else are you going to have an NFL-ready facility in the same town as one where you're already renovating a stadium? That just kind of doesn't make much sense to me in my brain. So, yeah, I'm not sure what else they would do other than maybe look to play their games either internationally or in Orlando that, or I don't know, in Tallahassee where they play Florida, but you'd have to kind of retrofit that stadium to fit NFL regulations. So that it's all, that's something that they're going to have to figure out. That's, that's a lot. They pulled it off in Minnesota because the university of Minnesota is there and they had their own place other than the Metrodome where they had to tear down the Metrodome to build us bank stadium. That worked out well for the Vikings, but there is no major college program in Jacksonville. So they're going to have to leave town. They're going to have to play out of town anyway. And now the good news would be this. If they go down that path, there's not going to be a renovation with public financing and significant input from the league and the Jaguars, unless the Jaguars are committed to staying. So the short-term pain would point to long-term Jaguars are staying. But the other point to keep an eye on here is their lease expires 2029. I I just think that unless this is idle talk, at some point the rubber is going to meet the road on this whole European division thing. It's all Mm -hmm. just bluster aimed at getting people to buy tickets to the games that they're going to get as the variety pack. I remember years ago it dawning on me that, what they're going to get in London is the equivalent of the, the eight little boxes of cereal that are shrink-wrapped together that I used to love to get when I was a kid. I don't know if they had those when you were a kid, Miles, but they had them when <laughs> I, I was a kid. I think they still have they them. They may still have them today. Okay, but that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a variety pack. You're not going to get a home team. You're going to get eight games. You're going to get eight boxes of cereal, little boxes of cereal, and that's going to be good enough. Um, 
at some point, we got to know what it's going to be. Is it going to be a variety pack or is there going to be a team? But they keep flirting with the idea. They keep dangling that carrot to London and maybe to Germany now. And uh, the Jaguars, I think, are going to be the test case. What they do with that stadium long term is going to tell us whether or not the Jaguars are in play to move. And if it's not them, who's it going to be? It's not going to be four expansion teams, folks. Maybe it may. I don't know. Maybe it will be. Maybe that's the only solution. But that seems like a hell of a dilution. And where do you fit all those teams? What do you do? Like how? To, like just boom out of the blue, we're going to drop four teams into the NFL. I don't think that's a reasonable solution either. Uh, probably not. But I mean, if you take the Jaguars and you move them to London, you're going to have to have an expansion franchise here stateside in order to take that team's place. Unless you totally reimagine what the divisions are, and you'd have like three team divisions. And I don't know, I, my math is not good enough to be able to kind of go off the cuff and say what that would mean. So you're, there's going to be. If there's going to be a four-team division that's in Europe, there's going to be some sort of expansion somewhere because you have to keep the number of teams in a way that makes sense. You'd almost need to add eight teams to make it happen. Uh, yeah. I, I've and, and, that's, and that's, you know, look, I've said that the ultimate configuration of the NFL would be um, 40 teams – Eight divisions, five teams each. But if this if this four team European division is ever to come to pass, the long term vision for the NFL would be forty teams with ten divisions of four teams each. Now it right. complicates the playoff tree if you've got five divisions per conference, and we're getting kind of far afield here. But still, it's fascinating You're to think about it because very far afield. In in but let me just say this. In how this thing is resolved with Jacksonville and this talk of a four-team division, it's going to shed light on what the hell they're doing. Right now, we don't know what the hell they're doing. Yes. And and at some point, we're going to get a clue, a real tangible clue, and it may be the future of the Jaguars in Jacksonville that gives us that clue, whether there is a future or not. Okay, uh, we move on. We promised a game of scale of 1 to 10 for some of the young quarterbacks. Here we are, the Texans. How much is C.J. Stroud, second overall pick in the draft, set up for success in Houston on a scale of 1 to 10? Other than a 6? I mean, because I, I like D'Amico Ryans as the head coach, but I'm not sure about Bobby Slowick because he's not called plays yet, and he is their offensive coordinator. Previously, San Francisco passing game coordinator. So, I mean, I love that offensive system. I think it's one of the best in the NFL. We've seen it work with San Francisco. We've seen it work as an iteration in Los Angeles, in Green Bay, in Miami. You know, we'll see what happens um, if, with the Jets as Nathaniel Hackett's not there. So, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not he is successful, but when you're talking about a rookie center, second year left guard, Laramie Tunsil is one of the best left tackles in football, but, and the wide receiving core, ugh, I don't know. Robert Woods, I really like. Dalton Schultz, I like too as a tight end, but I don't know, man. That's not necessarily uh, the best situation for a young quarterback to go into, Mike. What do you think? Short-term three, long-term seven. I have faith in where they're going, the decisions they're making, but this is still a team that has been mired in dysfunction in recent years. And I made this comment the other day, and look, I mean no disrespect to Cal McNair, but his only qualification to own a football team is his DNA matches Bob McNair's. That's it. There's no indication, no objective proof, no reason to believe that Cal McNair knows what he's doing, and there's been nothing that's happened the past few years that would provide clear evidence for us to say, oh, he knows what he's doing. 
So there's a lot to still be proven. I love the hire of D'Amico Ryans. The noise about Nick Casario leaving subsided dramatically. We're now two weeks removed from the draft, so I assume that's not going to happen. They go forward. They try to build something, put the past behind them, and focus on trying to build something. So I say three for now, seven over the long term, and that's maybe the best C.J. Stroud can hope for. How much is Colts quarterback Anthony Richardson set up for success, Miles Simmons, on a scale of one to ten? Uh, well, I, okay. If you're going to say the four now and then long term, I would say probably right now, like a three or a four, but long term, around seven, because I like his coaching staff. I really like Shane Steichen and the way we have seen him. Look, there, there's probably not a person who has had a bigger effect on the 2020 draft class of quarterbacks than Shane Steichen. And he was the coach of Justin Herbert when he won Rookie of the Year in 2020. And he's been uh, Jalen Hurts' coach the last two years. And both of those guys, I mean, one of them already has it. Both those guys really in line for large extensions this season. So I think, you know, when you're talking about Anthony Richardson, yeah, he's got Steichen. He's got Jim Bob Cooter. But you look at what he's got right now. Offensive line should be all right. You know, you still got Ryan Kelly. You still got Quentin Nelson. But there's nobody that really scares you when it comes to the skill positions other than Jonathan Taylor. And if you can't really do much else than run the ball a little bit, then it's going to be tough as a quarterback to pass it. So I don't know how well he's going to do this year. They say they want to play him so that he can learn and develop. But long term, I think he's in a great situation because it's not like Shane Steichen's going to be going anywhere because Shane Steichen is the head coach. I'm going to say seven and a half, short-term and long-term. I think they're going to be better this year than expected. I think that there's an organizational fatigue that finally has been washed out of the building with the termination of the revolving door of veteran quarterbacks acquired one year too late. I think it affects your entire team. I think it drags down your offensive line. It drags down your defense. You just feel like you're limping to some finish line that – that is unattainable, that we're never going to quite make it, that everything's going to fall apart before we get to our goal, whatever our goal may be. I think this energizes the franchise. Jonathan Taylor, prime example of how the NFL is an out-of-sight, out-of-mind type of, a, of an endeavor. If you're playing great and you're in the highlights every week and we see you and you're, you're the man, you get injured, you fall off, somebody else is the man. So that's the man we're paying attention to. And, and hey, Jonathan Taylor, get back to us when you're healthy and productive again. Oh, he will be this year. And you have him to balance out the passing game. They've got some receivers they really like. They haven't had good enough quarterbacks to get the most out of them. I just think if we're going to talk about setup, if Anthony Richardson can fulfill his potential, if they can coach him along the way to his ceiling quickly, they could be pretty good. And he's going to elevate everyone around him. I, it's it's just a, it's a fascinating experiment. And again, it's not it's not my job riding on it if it fails for Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen, but it's a fascinating experiment because if it works, the sky really is the limit. Yeah, certainly, and that's what I'm saying. You know, if if you are a young quarterback in this league, what what better place to go to than a place that has Shane Steichen when you know what he has done in recent history? So. If for no other reason, then yeah, Anthony Richardson is set up for long-term success there. 
All right, the Carolina Panthers, who selected Bryce Young first overall two weeks ago tonight. How much is Young set up for success in Carolina, scale of 1 to 10? I would say 8, because in large part of the coaching staff that has been assembled to help a young quarterback. When you have Frank Reich as your head coach and your offensive play caller, Thomas Brown is coming from Los Angeles. He's got a really good young offensive mind, and Frank Reich has said, yeah, at some point, probably going to pass off play calling duties to him. Josh McCown, he's not going to be a head coach to start off. He's going to be a quarterback's coach, and maybe he ends up as a head coach somewhere soon, but Played the position for a really long time, was a really good backup quarterback, has mentored young QBs before. That's a great situation to be in for Bryce Young. And then you also have Jim Caldwell on that staff who has done so much in terms of elevating offenses, bringing up young QBs, making sure that guys know office. He has a great, great coaching staff to make sure that he is going to meet his potential. Now, talk about weapons on the field. I mean, I'm feeling... You know, DJ Chark, uh, you know, it's not like Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson are walking through that door. I don't know. Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst, like they added pieces that are going to make you better. I don't know if that really is an elite supporting cast. It's not what I would call it. But, I mean, as much as we kind of talk about Atlanta, I, I really think that the Panthers, because of their defense, could be in a position to win the NFC South if all goes well. And it all doesn't have to go that well when you have somebody as talented as Bryce Young and the kind of coaching that he's going to have around him. I agree with you. I think you said eight, right? Did you say eight? Yeah, I did say eight. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say eight as well. I'll copy your eight. I don't have to pick a different number. So we have two separate assessments. Okay. Great defense the money that's been invested in the coaching staff. And I'm going to choose to believe in the faith that the Panthers have in Bryce Young to keep himself healthy and to Mm -hmm. compensate for his height, the brain power, the five-man slide that we talked about earlier this week that Peter King had detailed in Football Morning in America where it was an obscure play in a 48-17 game where Alabama was thrashing Tennessee when – Bryce Young was a true freshman. He was in there mopping up. It was an uneventful play, a 12-yard throw to John Mechie. But pre-snap, he saw what he needed to do. He calmly did it. That's the kind of awareness that you need to have if you're going to succeed despite being 5'10 and 1'8 and 100 and whatever pounds. It sure isn't going to be 204. Get rid of the ball. Be smart manipulate the defense, avoid the hits, keep going, keep going, keep going, and and I think it's going to work for the Panthers. I'm still excited by B. John Robinson in Atlanta and what that can become, given that they've been 7-10 and 10 each of the last two years, but the Panthers have a very good defense, and Young seems like he, he gets it. He's going to mm-hmm. figure it out. He's going to come in, and the teammates are going to love him. They're going to follow him, and he's going to be the guy that, that they, they hope he can be assuming he can go out there and perform against NFL-caliber defenses. One more, I believe, maybe two more. How about, I mentioned Atlanta, Desmond Ritter, Falcons quarterback mm-hmm. entering his second season. Scale of 1 to 10, how much is he set up for success, Miles? I'm, I'm going to go with 8.5. I don't really want to say 9 because I don't necessarily think that that's fair because he's only been in the league for one year. But if you look at what they've got, right, Bijan Robinson, as you mentioned, uh, you know, you got Drake London, you got Kyle Pitts. There are guys 
that can really play and you have an offensive a mind in the head coach in Arthur Smith who also knows how to get the most out of guys and they're going to run the hell out of the football that's just what they want to do I think about that game against the Browns last year where they were basically just like oh we're just going to run it and because the Browns can't stop us and we're just going to keep doing that and that's how I think that offensive philosophy is going to work well so if Desmond Ritter can be the kind of point guard that I guess we were really just talking about with Bryce Young, right? And all he does is get the ball out quickly, get the ball to his guys that can really create things happen, create and make things happen in space, easy for me to say, then he's going to be all right. So I, I think that because he's been in the league for a year, he got four starts of experience last year. Desmond Ritter is set up for success this year, and there won't be many excuses if he is unsuccessful. And, and that's the key. What's around him? What's the table look like? The table looks pretty damn good in Atlanta. Yeah. Now, how is he going to arrive? What's he going to be wearing? Is he going to use the right utensils? Is he going to live up to the meal that's being set for him? Really, that's the key. And it is all on him. If they fail this year, what, what, what's going to change next year? If they fail this year, quarterback. they're going to have a new quarterback next year. And, and they're going to be able to attract any quarterback out there with options. That's for damn sure when you look at all the weapons they have in Atlanta. So it's all on Desmond Ritter. So eight and a half. I'll see your eight and a half, and I'll raise you to nine. The table okay. is set for him to come in and have a big year and take the Falcons to the playoffs. Seven and ten each of the last two seasons. Quietly, they've been overlooked. I think if B. John Robinson comes close to doing – what I think he's going to do in the NFL, then the Falcons, uh, if they fail, it's going to be all because of their quarterback. All right, last one. Most overlooked and forgotten as it relates to young quarterback, Sam Howell. We know the commanders are all in. Year two. Guy would have been first-round pick a couple of years ago, so they say. The odds as of two years ago going into the 2022 draft was he was going to be one of the top picks. He fell to round five. They think they have something. How much is he set up? for success in Washington, scale of 1 to 10? Uh, five. I mean, he, he, Eric Bieniemy, I think, obviously, is a very good offensive coach, and bringing him in is going to make them better than they would be otherwise, but I don't know. I I mean, I, they have good players, man. They, they really do on offense, but I just... There's a reason why he fell to the fifth round, right? And when you are a fifth round pick, it's hard to be set up for success. And I just think there's still stuff going on with that franchise. And yeah, they're about to get sold, but it is what and it is what it is. But I'm, I'm not as high on that situation as I am on some of these others, Mike. I'll say six and a half. And look, I think they're very happy with what they have in Eric Bieniemy. They, they, they think they have somebody who's going to transform that offense. And you know, they they've got. It's one of those things where you individually, you know, you start looking at players and it's like, this guy's pretty good and this guy's pretty, this guy's pretty good, but why aren't they yeah. better? And, hey, they were competitive last year. They, they were in it. It was working. And, uh, you know, you get some injuries. You get, you know, a good call here, bad call there, turnover here, turnover there, close game, goes the wrong way, Carson and the next Wentz. thing you know, it's over. So, I, I – exactly. So – it's it's in a good position for Sam Howell to fulfill the potential that had people thinking as of two years ago he was going to be one of the top picks in the draft. It was him and Spencer Rattler, who was actually still in college at South Carolina. He was entering what would have been his final year at Oklahoma, and it all fell apart for him there. But 
you know, times change quickly, but Sam Howell was regarded as having a ton of potential two years ago, and now he gets his opportunity in Washington. And they really do seem to be committed to uh, to him. Uh, the the alternative would be Jacoby Brissett as the backup to Sam Howell. All right, we'll take a break. When we return, the Buccaneers' new offensive coordinator hopes that they don't name a starting quarterback in Tampa anytime soon. We'll discuss that next here on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. It's Tuesday, isn't it? Bloody hell, Hermione. Let's do a Baltimore one. Excuse me, Shoy. Hey, mate. I'm the finest I thought the game was at Old Trafford, isn't it? There, I grabbed the hometown kid. All right, here you go. Give it a go. I saw this then. Yeah. In your best British accent, say, would you fancy a spot of tea? Oh, we are bloody excited for our match at Ooh, Tottenham. <laughs> Come on, you gunners. Various members of the Buffalo Bills with their best or worst British accents. I think that was a quick drive-by by Josh Allen with a hell of a Cockney accent. Did you catch that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> Josh Allen, man, he could uh, do some damage, man. You know, with a little accent, I guess. I don't know. I apologize to our British there's viewers. One particular, that was offensive. Th- there's one particular episode of Seinfeld where both Kramer and Again Jerry with the try their Cockney accents, and they're horrible. Kramer believes he's got a great Cockney oh. accent, and it is the worst possible Cockney accent you would ever hear. Again, I'm Can just trying to, to load sh- it into your brain like, completely you know out of order. It's like, it's, like, it's like taking a puzzle box and just throwing all the pieces into your brain. 
you know that there are plenty of shows right. that I watch. Like you could reference one that I actually watch, and then it would be funny. Like but when I, I reference it bothers the Sopranos. you. It doesn't really bother me. But I know that this bothers you. It oh. irritates you. It irks you. It's part of our shtick. It's part of our petulant cut child. Oh my gosh. I can't. We would not have liked each other if we were the same age in high school. Like we might have gotten into a fight. Uh, You know, it would have been interesting. Uh, Wow. Wow. I've been in one fight in my life. Have I ever told you the story about the one fight in my life? No. I'll tell you another time. Yeah. No. 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 That's a good sidebar. Okay. So, so. I had a basketball hoop on my garage, and so the neighborhood kids would congregate there, and it wasn't exactly 10 feet, but it was the only one, so we used it. And we're playing two-on-two there, and so one of the kids in the neighborhood had a friend who wasn't my friend, but you know how that goes. He shows up. He's my friend. He brings his friend. Okay, fine. I'll tolerate this guy. Well, I don't know what happened. We were kids. One thing leads to another. I said something to him. He said something to me, and he's leaving. I think I may have told him, get the hell off my property. I don't know. Because when you're a kid, you think it's yours. You think you own it. And relative to the other kids who don't live there, you kind of do. So as he's walking by my Vikings jacket, the one that has been memorialized in the Christmas picture of my grandparents giving it to me when I was 9 or 10 years old, he spat on my Vikings jacket. He spat on it. That was his mistake. So he jumps on his bike. And the old Schwinn bike that had the... The bar in the back, like some of them had the really high bar. They called it, I don't know what they called it. But anyway, the bar's there, and he starts taking off. And those first few pedals, you can't get going. So I chugged down the driveway. I grabbed that bar, and I pulled, and he slammed uh, <laughs> he slammed right into the handlebars. And I thought that was the end of it. That was just like the perfect cartoon ending. I walk back victorious. So he comes back, and he's in the, the bouncing stance. He's like, come on, I'm not afraid of you. Come on, come on. So I punched him, and he fell down, and I fell down like the end of Rocky Two, and he got up and said, I'm going to go tell my dad or something like that, and that was the only fight I've ever been in in my entire life. Well, sounds like you won. There you go. We should have seen the other guy, right? You know? And yeah, if somebody spits but on I your jacket. But I fell down. Like spitting. Well, no, it doesn't matter. You landed the punch, man. And if somebody does spit on your jacket, then like, yeah, that's something that we got to go solve that. You're not going to get away with that. That's ridiculous. You can't be spitting on stuff. It's gross. Oh, 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 I, I, yeah. I mean, it just, I, it, I was instantly livid when he did that. Absolutely. Um, no, so, as you should have anyway. been. Yeah. Okay. I would have been on your uh, side. Bay Buccaneers. Don't spit on it. Don't spit on any Buccaneers jackets. Today. I really was a smart ass, though. I was a smart ass. I got spanked a lot at home, and I deserved it. I would do the cost-benefit analysis. Is this thing I'm about to say worth what's going to happen afterward, yes or no? And a lot of times it was yes, and a lot of times it was worth it. Okay, uh, here's Dave Canales, the new offensive coordinator on the Buccaneers, on whether or not there's any reason for them to name a starting quarterback between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask now. Yeah, I think philosophically, for me, coming from Seattle, best guy gets the job. So you saw it happen last year firsthand. It was Geno Smith, it was Drew Locke, and it was a true competition. For me, it's a win-win when you create a competition. Here's why. If you name a starter today, the backup guy starts thinking like a backup. Okay, But if you say, this is a competition, we're going to allow us to go into the preseason, let them show us they can manage to get us into the right play, 
they can take care of the ball, that's going to be the determining factor, really, is who takes care of the ball. And then the bonus is, now who pushes it down the field? You know, but if we can play great defense, run it, and take care of the ball, we're going to be a great team. So the guy who can show that um, is going to win the job. And look, I mean, Baker Mayfield's in the right mindset to deal with whatever they throw at him. And I'm not a big proponent of splitting reps all the way through until the end because whoever wins isn't as prepared as he could have been. Competition makes you better. I get it. But there's something to be said for having a guy. He's our guy. We've picked our guy and we're behind our guy and everything we're doing is focused on getting us us ready to win with our guy. And just the fact that it just shows you how far Baker Mayfield's fallen. He's got to go enter an open competition against a second round pick who really hasn't done all that much, hasn't done anything in two years in the NFL. So but again, Mayfield's not going to complain. He's been through some crap the past few years, Miles, and uh, you know he's going to deal with it. And Trask isn't complaining either, so they go compete, and we see who the best guy is. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm not, I know he referenced the Seattle thing, and that's kind of the only quarterback competition in my recent memory where it's like, it really did work out for the guy who won the competition and the team that held the competition. But usually you're having a quarterback competition because you think you you don't know what's going to happen. And it's like, if you have two quarterbacks, you really have two backups. I just kind of subscribe to that philosophy. And so I don't really know what's going to happen with the Buccaneers. I don't necessarily think they're going to be all that good. I don't really know that a competition is going to make the Buccaneers into something that they're not which I think is a good football team, but I understand the philosophy that Canales was talking about there where you want both guys to be competing for as long as possible. And that makes sense, but I don't really know that that's going to spell really good things for the Buccaneers and their fans this year. A lot of times when you have an open competition, the guy who wins the job wins the right to be the first one benched. And I'm surprised it didn't happen last year, but the Seahawks were good and they made the playoffs and there was never an occasion for Geno Smith to be benched for Drew Locke. Let's take a break. Some very positive news regarding tight end Foster Moreau. We'll give that to you when PFT Locke continues right after this. Foster Moreau, free agent tight end, after he visited the Saints in March, he tweeted that he learned through the physical that he took in New Orleans that he has Hodgkin's lymphoma. Great for the Saints to catch these kinds of things. Not every team gives that kind of a detailed physical. They've done it with someone else who had a heart condition. So great job by the Saints to give Foster Moreau full opportunity to get the treatment that he needs. Things are going well. He said the prognosis is good. And now he has a three-year deal with the Saints, which is just amazing. This comes after a report from WWL-TV in New Orleans that other teams are actually interested in Moreau, but he's from Louisiana, from New Orleans, went to LSU. Great for him to be there, complete the treatment, get to work, move forward with your football career and your life. Anytime there's a public figure who fights cancer valiantly and successfully, it is so valuable to all the other people out there who are dealing with this horrific, abhorrent disease every single day. It gives them hope. It gives them purpose. It gives them someone they can point to and say, I am going to keep fighting because I see their fight. So kudos to Foster Moreau. Kudos to the New Orleans Saints. 
Yeah, absolutely. Kudos to to both of those entities there. And, you know, I'm I'm really excited for Foster Moreau to be able to play this season, which he says that he intends to do. And the fact that he got a three-year deal with New Orleans with his quarterback, Derek Carr, that he is used to catching passes from um, with the Raiders and, you know, had four seasons there. I, I think this is somebody that really can be a productive tight end. I mean, he has been productive in the past. He had five touchdown catches as a rookie when I was covering him on a day-to-day basis for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Good interview, good guy to, to be around there in the locker room. So I'm excited for him to be able to continue his football future um, with an organization like New Orleans and with a quarterback and Derek Carr, he already has chemistry with. We're going to take a break. When we return, there may be some more news about additional games from the 2023 schedule Ooh-wee. in advance of tonight's full announcement. More PFT Live right after this. Yeah, we're ready. The Bengals play the Chiefs week 17. And I've got nothing else to add. And cut. How was that? Yeah, I think that was better than the last time. Yeah, uh, the mayor of Cincinnati creating a ruckus and getting called out. I think he was called a jabroni by Mm -hmm. uh, Travis Kelsey after the AFC championship. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know who the jabroni would be in this next equation, but I do remember this last year when the bills beat the jets in their second game of the year, Robert Sala, the coach of the jets said we would see them again and they will right out of the gates. Week one, Monday night football bills at jets to start the season to end the start of the season, the last game of the week. And remember, they don't do the Monday night doubleheader anymore to start the season. So that's it. The anniversary of 9-11 in New Jersey. The Bills, New York's only team, face the New York Jets to start the Aaron Rodgers era. Again, no easy games for the New York Jets, and they are getting the Bills right out of the gates. Buffalo fans going to be happy with you with that little drive-by you just did right there. New York's only football team. I hear you, Mike. Yeah, I hear you. I I think this is a great matchup to start the season. I mean, no, it is technically not geographically wrong. It certainly isn't. The the Jets are headquartered in New Jersey, and they play their games in New Jersey. And the Meadowlands is in New Jersey. So, I mean, I don't know. I I guess it is completely correct. So, Look, I think that this is a great way to start the season. If we all want to see Aaron Rodgers play for the New York Jets, which I'm sure we all do, for them to go against a divisional opponent in Buffalo and the team that has been the kind of kings of the AFC East the last couple of years, yeah, that's a fun matchup. And then we're going to get another one of those later on in the season. So I think that that's kind of neat that, you know, you get that quarterback matchup early, but you also know that you're going to get one later on in the year. And I always say forget about the outcome of week one games with the exception of if you play a division rival at home and lose, you have to go to their place later. You get swept kind of hard to win the division. So be nervous if you lose at home to a division rival. That would not be a great start for the Jets. It'd be halfway to a sweep, which makes it hard to win that division. If you get swept by the Bills and you look at who they're playing this year, all the teams of the AFC West, all the teams of the NFC East, they cannibalize each other for six games. It could be that only one team is coming out of that division for the postseason. 
that game to start the year is going to be massively impactful on who wins the division, and it could be only one team out of the AFC East. So that's a huge game. That That is a huge game to start the year for yeah. the New yeah, York Jets definitely. and for the Buffalo Bills. Let's take a break because when we return, we will have some information for you about some games that may be played and aired on Peacock and NBC. The opener to be unveiled next here on PFT Live. Well, now we know the season begins with the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium hosting the Detroit Lions. I would not have had the Lions on my bingo card a year ago as a potential participant in the opening game of the season, but they cap the 2022 regular season on NBC. They start 2023 on NBC, and they've earned it, even though they haven't made it to the playoffs yet. They've got an exciting team. Talented players, great offense, compelling, charismatic head coach, and it's Jared Goff versus Patrick Mahomes for the first time since November of 2018 when yeah. they put up over 100 points combined in a 54-51 shootout when Goff was still the quarterback of the Rams. And I was still working for the Los Angeles Rams, and that's where this football comes from behind me. We all got game balls as an organization for that that game, which was insane. But yeah, you're right. The, the Lions have put themselves in a position to be an interesting team. Well, I've been talking about, you know, the way the schedule might open this year. I've said to people, look, the Lions are a dark horse candidate to mix animals uh, to be in this opening game because they're compelling. They finished the season eight and two. They were really good last year and they should be really good this year. So I'm really excited by this. And we always talk about what Andy Reid can do when he's got more than one week to prepare for an opponent. This one's going to be interesting because they don't face the lions very often at all. Right. And, you know, in terms of defense, like you just aren't necessarily sure what you're going to see from a Jameer Gibbs, from David Montgomery. They got a lot of weapons over there. And the unfamiliar opponent aspect of this just makes it that much more compelling. So I love this as a season opener. Sims and I were talking yesterday about how important it is for some teams to get off to a fast start. I think that was our draft yesterday, because if you've got high expectations or if you're going to have a difficult schedule or if you've got a coach on the hot seat there are various reasons to have an easy way to start winning games or if you get some tough games you better suck it up and win some of them and the lions were one of the teams i picked because they've got this this burden of expectation when they've done nothing grand scheme of things to achieve it other than finish strong last year so they come in with that that gleam of special team and I think it becomes even shinier now that they're in that kickoff game and you lose that game and they're going to be, I would say, what, four and a half point underdogs in that game. That's just my throw a dart guess at what the line will be. Yeah, I, you're 0-1. You're 0-1. And, uh, but it, you, you know what? If I'm Dan Campbell, I know what he'll say. We had to go to Arrowhead at some point. We may as well go right mm-hmm. now. We may as well go now. Yeah. We got to go there at some point. Let's go now. Yeah, exactly. And look, if anybody knows how to motivate this team, it's Dan Campbell. 
I mean, think about the last game that they played in the 2022 regular season. They knew that they were out of it, and they still took it to Green Bay to make sure that, hey, if we're not going to this dance, you're not going either. So I think that Campbell will absolutely have his team up and ready to go for that Thursday night matchup to open the season, and they're not going to want to do anything else but spoil that championship celebration for Kansas City. And I think that's going to make it a really, really, really fun and compelling matchup. The line is already seven. So I guess I'd be inclined if I were to wager to pick the Lions because I said four and a half. So I think it will be closer than seven. But I do too. And this is just a precursor because tune in tomorrow because Chris Sims and I will give you the winners and the lunars, losers or lunars, depending upon the moon cycle, of all 272 regular season games. We will do that tomorrow. We will do that. And they will all be you right. Sure it's going to be Sims? Uh, I'm just kidding. It is Sims tomorrow. That's why he's not here today. Oh. He traded oh. tomorrow for today because tomorrow we Shows need schedule reaction. And we have, to, we have to do this exercise of picking all – the games because that's what they do on schedule release day we pick winners of games to be played in january okay uh but that's the first game that's the next game we don't know what 272 is going to be but we know what game number one is it's going to be lions at the chiefs we also know week five cowboys 49ers playoff rematch from each of the last two seasons the catch all over again isn't this the 40th oh no it's already the, the 40th anniversary's come and gone my years are getting uh, a little screwed up again oh, my brain boy. had a heart reset this weekend it's it's yeah. a it's a reunion of the catch game in san francisco clara california when the cowboys take on nick bosa and company week five sunday night football uh, again they've met in the postseason each of the last two years this was a great rivalry in the 90s fun to see these two teams together and an opportunity for the cowboys to to finally win one and maybe, and maybe they'll get together again in the postseason. Maybe this is the first of two for the Cowboys and 49ers this year. It could be. It certainly could be. I mean, I, I think that the Cowboys are probably the third best team in the NFC right now. And, you know, if they were in any other division, we'd probably be picking them to be a division winner. And that may include uh, the NFC West, just basically because we don't really know what's going to happen at quarterback quite yet with the San Francisco 49ers. So you hope that Brock Purdy is healthy by then. You hope that the 49ers defense stays healthy as well throughout the course of this year. But these are two kind of real heavyweights in the NFC. And that makes any matchup that they want to, that they're going to have, you know, you're going to want to watch it, right? That's kind of must see TV anytime the 49ers and the Cowboys get together. Well, we know anytime the Cowboys play, no matter whether they're good or bad or exciting or boring, it's the Cowboys and they will draw massive crowds. The one game that I'm still fascinated by, I mentioned this earlier, Jets at Cowboys. When is that one going to be? Where is that one going to be? Uh, a lot of, of, of great games that we know about, a lot more that we're going to find out about. And we'll know all of them in just about 11 hours. Uh, and uh, it just is that's why I'm a proponent of using multiple days. There's a lot of games still in the bag that we don't know which network they're going to be on, which day of the week it's going to be. Is it going to be part of the Thanksgiving package? Is it going to be part of the Christmas package? There's still one game to be unveiled. What else does the NFL have up its sleeve? What's that Amazon package going to look like? A lot of fun 
questions that are going to be answered coming up tonight, Miles. Yeah, and we've got some of the New Year's slate too. We know one game that's going to be on New Year's Eve, which is Chiefs Bills, excuse me, Chiefs Bengals, and then also you know Thanksgiving. I'm always curious to see who we're going to be watching while we're eating turkey. I think that all three of those games usually are very fun and compelling to watch. So yeah, there's certainly a lot that we still have left to learn. But I, you know, knowing that it is Lions at Chiefs to open the season. I don't know, man. I'm I, I'm really juiced about that. I, I just am. I yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We knew about this a little, you know. I mean, obviously we work at NBC, so you get a little just a tiny little bit of a heads up of what Put the possibilities the may curtain. be. I got I got very excited. I'm very transparent. There is no curtain. There is no curtain. Well, if there was no curtain, we would have told them when we knew about it. But exactly. I got excited at the idea of Lions Chiefs. I think that that that's yeah. a smart play there. And now, now, I, you know, it's one thing to schedule, you know, in the captive audience windows, maybe not the best games. I think the NFL likes to come out of the gates with a big bang, prime time. And we know two of the three prime time games now to start the season. Lions, Chiefs, bang. Bills, Jets, bang. Sunday night football. We don't know what it's going to be, but I have a feeling it's going to be another bang. And then four weeks after that, Cowboys 49ers bang. So two great games already. Not that look, it's, and, and, and I don't like it when the networks thump their chests about their schedules because everybody gets a schedule. Everybody gets games, but why would the NFL not give NBC a great slate on Sunday night when everybody's congregating at the end of a day of watching football. It's been a great schedule every year since 2006. So two great games already, more great games to come. We'll have the full slate when it's announced tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. More PFT Live right after this. Let's keep talking some uh, Super Bowl 57, man. How is it seeing guys that you drafted and former players that you coached over the years? How does that feel seeing them across the field? Yeah, that was weird. That, right. that was different. That was a little different. Brandon I mean, Graham, I, yeah, Fletch. You, yeah, I mean, you look across and the people, I, I know people across the field. There was actually one time, I probably shouldn't even say it, but I'm going to say it because it's you two and nobody else is going to hear it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was one point where I was back talking with Pat. My back was to the field and I heard the cheer and I turn around and and your tight end caught the ball. Yeah. And for a minute I went, hey, nice. Hey, <laughs> it was weird. It was, on, Goddard. Yeah, it was just the one time. And uh, the rest of the time I was all red. Old habits die hard. I mean, it really is amazing. He coached the Eagles all those years and then went straight to Kansas City. Uh, Andy Reid. You'll find out the full schedule for the Chiefs and every other team tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern, NFL Network, NFL Plus, and Peacock. So, uh, we, we know some of the games already. There are more to be unveiled. What are, what are the, some of the ones that you're watching most carefully? We've mentioned Cowboys hosting the Jets a couple of times. What are some of the ones, Miles, that stand out to you or that will stand out to you when you look at the schedule? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think just based off that little clip right there, right? We get a Super Bowl rematch this year with the Eagles at the Kansas City Chiefs. And maybe it'll be a little bit easier for Andy Reid to not be like, oh, that's great when the Eagles do something when he's actually in his home stadium environment instead of uh, whatever they call that place now at Arizona State Farm Stadium, I guess it is now, you know, in Arizona and Glendale. So 
I think that's one of these matchups that, yeah, whenever you get the two teams that were in last year's Super Bowl together, boy, that's a fun thing that we get to look at. And so, yeah, you get two of the best young quarterbacks in the game, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, two teams that we expect to be really in the prime of it for another Super Bowl appearance this year. We'll see what happens on the field. And if, you know, the Eagles actually get some a little get back this time in the regular season. One of the games we know about, it was announced yesterday, that Dolphins-Chiefs game, the Tyreek Hill game. After all that talk about what Tyreek Hill was going to do when he goes back to Arrowhead, I just think it was the ultimate, no, not so fast. And to give it to Germany, and, and look, I heard from some of our our friends who watched the program on Sky Sports Action, they weren't thrilled about some of my comments yesterday that Germany may be showing the NFL there's a higher ceiling there, that they get the reward, they get the cookie, they get the best of the international games going in that we've ever seen. There have been some exciting international games played, but by way of anticipation and hype, Dolphins Chiefs to get that in Germany instead of in London, I suspect some of the folks in London are thinking, wait, wait a minute, we've, we've been supporting this since 2007. And we didn't get Dolphins Chiefs. Why, why does Johnny come lately get the better game? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if people thought that too. But I mean, you're right. That That is an extremely compelling game because of a lot of different reasons. I, I've said this before, but the Chiefs have already basically won that trade, you know, because they won the Super Bowl. So if you win the Super Bowl after you trade Tyreek Hill, I feel like that means you win the trade. But the Dolphins this year, Mike, we don't necessarily know if Tua Tungabailoa was going to stay healthy. But I just feel like that team, because they have a really good young offensive head coach in Mike McDaniel, they've got the talent on offense, starting with Tyreek Hill, and you got Jalen Waddle and all the different compliments of weapons that they've got at running back. And then you add Vic Fangio to that defense. You add Jalen Ramsey to that defense. You already added Bradley Chubb to that defense. Miami should be really, really good this year. And you know what? If something happens with Tonga Vailoa, they've got Mike White, and he already knows that offense like the back of Mike his hand. Mike F. and White. Blinded by Mike White. By Mike White, yes. we will Blinded see by Mike White, would... yes. Yeah, yeah, blinded by Mike White. Maybe they'll be blinded by Mike White in Germany. Who knows? But I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Miami does this year in general. So are you saying that, that the re, that the response to being blinded by Mike White will be to shout out, I see nothing? Never mind. I have no, uh, no idea what you're referencing there. <laughs> I see Is that another nothing? Seinfeld reference. Come on. Hogan's Heroes? No, that's Hogan's Heroes. Almost as dated. I see nothing. I know nothing. I hear nothing. Um, I got this yesterday, though, because I oh joked that the folks in London need to step their game up because they're losing this competition with Germany. I was joking. Our friend Pauline, or Pauline, I think is that's the appropriate pronunciation. Callum, column, column, whatever. Uh, did you just say you love us, but we need to step up our game? Maybe you should go stick a German Frankfurter sausage where the sun don't shine. Thank you very much. That was the message yesterday. So we're stoking the rivalry between England and Germany as it relates to the prime NFL properties, Miles. Yeah, it's like the Giants fans last year, where they said that where they could stuff the cheese, right? You could stuff that that German Frankfurter up here. You yeah. know what? Careful, careful. <laughs> Careful. Hey, I, Along I like with my money. I don't need the to be cheese. So, so now, wait, it's getting pretty full up there. Yeah, Frankfurter, crown, cheese, and the coronation. <laughs> and the entire coronation. 
Shove your... Never mind. Have a good day. See you tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.